Well, hi there. Welcome to Unshaken. I'm your host, Julie Van Warmer, and this is a podcast of the Women of the Word Ministry of Christ the Word Church. I'm really glad you're joining me today. So, welcome. Also, I want to remind everybody of a couple of things that I do every single time we have an episode. Number one, subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. really helps us out. Head over to our Facebook page, Unshaken Podcast, and like it. Um, That's a great place to communicate with other people who are following along and listening. And uh, gives you a chance to also win some nice giveaways at the beginning of each season. Lastly, I want to encourage you to... Email me if you have any comments or questions at unshakenpsalm622 at gmail.com. You can find all of that information on our show notes. All right, it's time to head into this particular episode today. Now, I don't know about you, um, but um, there's always a time in my life where I want to kind of get more healthy. And so I start to do things to help myself, like I start to eat right. Um, I'm adding much more fruits and vegetables into my diet. I um, exercise maybe 25 minutes a day on my treadmill or a walk outside. I try to drink more water, and those are all really good and healthy things. Sleep well, you know, I try to get enough sleep. Um, And those are all really healthy and good things for me to do. But sometimes it's good to focus on what is not going well, right? Like all those things I might be doing, but maybe I'm sabotaging myself by doing different things. Like when I'm making dinner, I might be eating extra calories because I'm sampling everything or throwing in a couple crackers that I was setting out on the table for the soup um, that I actually add calories onto what I'm eating. Or maybe I might be drinking my water, but I'm also drinking a lot of coffee filled with really good yummy creamer and maybe even I add a little bit of sugar. See, it's good to think about both sides of the coin. So today our podcast actually does that. We're looking at the opposite side of friendships. We're looking at some of the things that kill friendships or maybe just maim your friendship, right? Um, So we're going to talk a little bit about three specific ones. We're going to talk about gossip, uh, jealousy, and holding a grudge, which are pretty common things in any friendship that I've ever been in. And we have to watch ourselves. So Melissa Franklin gave this talk in 2017 at the Regarding Him Women's Conference at Christ the Word Church. And I'm really excited for you to get a chance to listen to this. It was really well done. So, um, hey, let's just jump on in. So avoiding friendship killers. At first, I thought that was quite a dramatic title. (laughs) Friendship killers. When I was preparing for this talk, I was chatting with a friend, and I jokingly said, I'm not sure who want to come to a talk with friendship killers in the title. And she said, she didn't joke back, she said, I know who will come, women who want to know how to be a good friend. So I am making that assumption about you. You are here because you want to be a good friend, and you know that to be a good friend, you must know what harms friendships so you can identify it in your own life and work to change. We will focus on a brief but specific list of friendship killers, but I hope that whatever we discuss here will be applicable to whatever else you see in your life that is harming your friendship. Here is our list of friendship killers. We will discuss how to avoid gossip and slander, jealousy and envy, taking offense and holding grudges. 
As I was studying the Bible to present on this topic, I have been struck at the number of lists in the Bible. Lists of sins where these particular friendship killers are included amongst sins that perhaps we would say are less accepted. As you probably know, several books of the New Testament in the Bible were originally written as letters. So these letters. Okay, I'm going to start over here. So you're going to give happy So these books in the New Testament were originally letters written by the church leaders at the time, sent to Christians in various locations to teach them, to guide them in the faith. And often, there is a positive report of those Christians, the faith of those Christians. Near the beginning of the book of Romans, Paul says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Likewise, in Ephesians, Paul says to that church, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks to you, for you. However, if you continue to read in these books, these letters in the New Testament, none of them are catalogs of the good works of those Christians. These letters are filled with exhortation to examine their lives. And very often, they include lists of sins that either have been observed in those Christians, or they are being warned to watch out for. I have been studying 2 Timothy um, over the past couple of months in a Bible study. And this list in 2 Timothy 3 has been echoing. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, Arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness, denying its power. It's that last part that hits me hard every time. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. When I read lists like this, I can get heavy with the knowledge of my sin and what my sin does to those around me. And what my sin communicates to those around me about the God I love. There's another list that I want to read to you. It's in Titus 3. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, Hated by others and hating one another. But, but 
yet, when the goodness and loving kindness of our God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. I love the beginning of that list. For we ourselves were once. It's like it's saying, it wasn't so long ago that we were like this. Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 6 are similar. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. And such were some of you. Those are some of the most hopeful words when looking at our sins. I wanted to start with that hope. We will be talking about this list of friendship killers, this list of sins, but there is hope. And that's why we're here this morning looking at this topic and this list of friendship killers, because there is hope. Speaking of lists, several years ago, when I had a preschooler and a toddler, and life was a little bit crazy with the busyness of it all, I had a tremendous list of rules for my children to follow. (laughs) I had found this book somewhere in my search to figure out the parenting thing, and I was trying to implement it in my home. It was called The 24 Rules of This House. Anyone hear that? The 24 Rules of This House? Yes. I have the book and the chart. (laughs) A wise veteran mom observed my eagerness to help my children and gave me some wonderful advice. She said, cut down your rules. Keep it simple. For that age especially, there are two rules they need to follow. Listen to my words and obey them. Listen and obey. That's all. We all know the Bible has rules in it, right? But the Bible has so much more than rules. It tells us who God is and what he's accomplished, especially through the work of Jesus Christ. But the Bible does contain rules. And a lot more than 24, right? In Matthew 22, an expert in the law came to ask Jesus a question. This lawyer asked him, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment? Jesus replied, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. That will be the guiding scripture for us as we look at our topic today, Avoiding Friendship Killers. While we will see many verses speaking about these particular killers, we can keep it, keep it simple. We have two rules to follow. It is my aim we will see that when we gossip, are jealous, or hold grudges, we are not loving our Lord, and we are not loving our neighbors. 
as we are commanded to do. We are going to start with the topic of gossip. My husband and I took a trip together last fall, and before we went, I was going through my stack of unread magazines, hoping to have some downtime to read. So he has a stack of Wall Street Journal. Wall Street Journal, does anyone else have it in their home? A stack of newspapers. He's bound to read all of them. And I have a stack of Real Simple. I always get this subscription and never read them. Why is that? So I found this one. Doesn't this look like a great one to take to the beach locale? Easy summer fun. 89 refreshing ways to enjoy every minute. Yes, I could do that my week away with my husband. Control your email inbox. A four-step plan. You don't want to borrow that later to read it, right? Next one, the next headline says, Life-changing hair makeovers. Life-changing. Wow. That's super exciting. And it was the last headline that got me. Why gossip can be good for you. Why gossip can be good for you. Wow. Let's see what they say. Everyone gossips, even if it's like eating cake for breakfast. Temporarily thrilling. Totally delicious. Leaves you feeling kind of icky. Think about how many times you start a conversation with, I don't want to gossip, but... Or, I love Anne. Can you believe she... Author goes on to say, if you refuse to gossip at all, you're saying, I don't care about being part of the group. You can set yourself up as an outsider. The author suggests, befriending a good gossip in the first few weeks at a new job so you can get the lowdown and she reports back to the crew with a good word about you. I know that it is completely worldly advice. That is advice for people who are looking for themselves only. Not for people who are seeking to love the Lord with all their heart, soul, and mind. Not for people who want to love their neighbor as their self. However, as the article indicates, there's a purpose behind our gossip. At least we think so. Especially as women, we yearn for a strong connection with others. And we think that gossip will strengthen the bond of friendship. To be sure we are all on the same page, let's define gossip. The dictionary defines gossip as idle talk or rumor, especially about the personal or private affairs of others. To gossip simply is to repeat what one hears or knows about other people. Gossip is a betrayal of confidences. Of course, the article has some juicy examples of this. Around the playground, you may hear, I heard Eva has lice. Ew. You get a little older, and you're in middle school, you may say, she kissed Jack just to get attention. Between moms, she works late all the time with her new job. No wonder her kids act out. Or in the office elevator, I heard that the head of John's group hated his presentation. Or at a dinner party, are you seeing the body language between the Smiths? Yeesh. <laughs> We're laughing because we've heard this. And we've done this. <coughs> I'm sure you can add examples from your own lives. Now with these examples in mind, 
Let's go to God's word to learn what it says about gossip. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may give grace to those who hear. This verse is right in the middle of a section in Paul's letter to the Ephesians that is talking about the new life in Christ. These people were not Christians, and now they claim to be followers of Christ. In this chapter, chapter 4 of Ephesians, Paul is saying to them, and to us, in Ephesians 4, you must not walk as those without God do. They are darkened in their understanding. He says, put off your old self. That's the old self that's not following the Lord Jesus. And now... Be renewed in your mind. And then he says this verse. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may give grace to those who hear. Are you allowing corrupting talk to come out of your mouth? If you are, you're walking in your old self. What is corrupt talk? Well, this verse gives us the opposite. The opposite of corrupt talk would be words that build up, not tear down. Corrupt talk tears down. Our words should build up. That helps us to think what gossip is. We should consider, is what I'm saying building up this person or tearing them down, regardless of if they know I'm saying it or not? Am I building up or tearing down this person by sharing information about them? Am I building up or tearing down those who are listening to me? I want to give grace to those who hear. And these examples, and real simple, were they building up or tearing down? We may be thinking, well, that's what worldly people do. Okay, let's think about how church people gossip. <laughs> let's see if it's much different. First, there's chit-chat. We're sharing basic information, but without a harmful intent. You know, some information needs to be shared. And this is not gossip. Did you hear if Susie had her baby? Or did you hear that Susie had her baby? Or the Smiths are not at church today. Have you heard if they're sick? That's not gossip. But we must be careful what we say and how we say it. Because that's when chit-chat can get sticky. Maybe we are not aiming to be mean or vindictive, but we are starting to tell a story about someone's character. Did you hear that Mary's parents are fighting again? Annie's in a bad mood. Avoid her today. Sticky chit-chat places a judgment and can share misleading information. The third level is always gossip. It is slander. It is slander. It's a big word, isn't it? Kind of feel different about definitely about that word than you feel about the word gossip. We may not like that word, but slander, gossip, harms reputations and betrays secrets. This level prevents friendships and takes potentially good relations and destroys them. 
if you do in a search, if you do a search in a concordance for the word gossip or slander, depending on the translation, you can find it mentioned in many places. 1 Timothy 3 speaks of the wives of deacons and says they must not be malicious gossips. That word translated to be malicious gossips can also be translated slanderers. And it doesn't just mean the wives of deacons should not be malicious gossips. None of us should be malicious gossips. I thought this was interesting and powerful. That word translated malicious gossips in the original language is diabolos. I'll probably just ruin that, but diabolos. This word is also applied to an individual who is opposing the cause of God. Someone who's against the cause of God. Just let that sink in. There is no such thing as harmless gossip. When we gossip, we oppose the cause of God. I'm going to refer to this little booklet a few times. Since we accept by Jerry Bridges, this is the the little short version of a longer book, um, Respectable Sins, which I highly recommend. I believe it is in the bookstore if you want to look into it. So everything that's in here is in the longer book. But you get more. Okay, since we accept. We who are believers tend to evaluate our character and conduct relative to the moral culture in which we live. Because we live at a higher moral standard than society at large, it is easy for us to feel good about ourselves and assume that God feels that way also. Do we believe that gossip is just a sin against that person we've spoken about? Or do we believe that when we gossip, we are rebelling against God? (laughs) What is the solution to corrupting talk? When we put off the old self that gossips, slanders, we need to put on this key verse. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. In other words, put off opposing God by gossiping and put on Loving God. Again from this little book. Sins of the tongue, such as gossip, sarcasm, and other unkind words to another person, cannot thrive in awareness that God hears every word we speak. The reason we sin with our tongues is due to the fact that we are to some degree ungodly. We don't think of living every moment of our lives in the presence of an all-seeing, all-hearing God. And the second part is loving your neighbor as yourself. We've been looking at Ephesians 4.29. Let no corrupting tongue come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may give grace to those who hear. Two verses after that verse, it says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted. These verses in Ephesians have told us that our words should build up. Our words should be kind. Our hearts should be tender <coughs> or compassionate toward those around us. 
Let's apply this to our lives. How can our words build up? We need to be committed to not spreading gossip and committed to stop gossip when it is spoken to us. Don't listen to it and don't encourage the gossiper. This is a checklist that you can write down if you're a note taker and how to evaluate your speech. Number one, why am I saying this? In other words, is my heart tender to those around me? Number two, is it possible there is more to this story that I do not know? In other words, am I opposing God? Number three, would I feel comfortable sharing this where the people I'm talking about could hear me? And number four, am I building up or tearing down? I would do that super fast. I didn't even get number two. Okay, number one is why am I saying this? Number two, is it possible there is more to this story that I do not know? Number three, would I feel comfortable sharing this for the people I'm talking about could hear me? And number four, am I building up or tearing down? Finally, as we close this section on gossip, sometimes we have friendships that are built around gossip. Mm -hmm. I began this section on gossip by giving you the the definition. Gossip was described as idle talk. (laughs) Idle talk does not bear good fruit. If your primary topic of conversation is other people, I hope you have seen this must stop. Repent of it and ask the Lord to help you. (coughs) Out of the overflow of our hearts, the mouth speaks. (coughs) Work to fill your heart and mind with topics that will glorify God and build others up. By this, you will love the Lord your God and you will love your neighbor, your friend. Now we will shift to our second friendship killer, jealousy. Jealousy and envy are often used interchangeably, but there are differences, and we will be discussing both. Jealousy has been defined as intolerance of rivalry. In friendship, this could mean someone is becoming between you and your friend. You are feeling jealous for your friend's attention. This is a little embarrassing. But I remember a close friend of mine getting married, and I could find nothing positive about her new husband. Like she did not like the guy. And finally I realized that, you know, I guess he really was a great guy, but I was jealous because I had less of her time. Envy, on the other hand, is a desire for something combined with resentment that another is enjoying it and you are not. We see her job, her car, her house, her family, her position, her status in a group, and we resent it. Part of avoiding these friendship killers is actually recognizing them when we see them in ourselves. 
When we are jealous or envious, we have been making comparisons, and we think that we are getting the short end of the stick. When we are jealous or envious, we are coveting what is not ours. Thou shalt not covet is one of the big ten. Right up there with thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery. When we are jealous or envious, it reveals that we are discontent with our current situation. Let's go back to our key verse. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus replies, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. When we are envious of what others have, when we desire something that doesn't belong to us, it's because our hearts have turned from our true love. We think her life, her experiences, possessions will make us happy instead of looking to Jesus. When we are jealous and filled with envy, we are not loving God. When we are discontent, we are not trusting Him as both sovereign over all and working all things for our good. Ultimately, we are not grateful for what He has done for us in Jesus Christ. Listen to this quote from my daily Bible reading devotional. It has been said that Christ will not taste sweet to us until sin tastes bitter. And the reverse is true as well. Christ and sin cannot both look beautiful to us simultaneously. As the beauty of one rises, the other falls. Once we have tasted the goodness of Christ and his gospel, we will long for more. And it is this longing that fuels our continued. <coughs> Are you longing for more of Christ and His gospel? Or are you longing for the attention of this friend or the possessions of that friend? Put on loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Put on loving your friend as yourself. <coughs> Put on loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind by being grateful. Start a gratitude journal. Answer every thought of jealousy or envy with praise to God the Father who supplies our every need according to his riches and glory. Put on loving your friend as yourself. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Love your friend by counting her more significant than yourself. You're looking for it, I've never heard this song before. Special person calling I'm going to read that verse for you guys. Sorry, we're working on this. Oh, you're fine. We're working on this verse in our house. I have it right above my kitchen table. Because we're learning this, working to learn it. Philippians 2.3 Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. 
Love your friend by counting her more significant than yourself. We have made it through gossip and slander, jealousy and envy, and now we are to the last friendship killer, holding grudges. I want to take one step back from holding a grudge. That indicates time is going by. The first step to holding a grudge is taking offense in the first place. Okay, I need your participation for a minute. (laughs) Help me brainstorm why a friend may be a friend of character, yet still let you down. I want you to give me some examples. Or, the reverse may be easier. Think of times when you have let a friend down. What were your excuses? If you consider yourself a person of character. I am. My, she was a friend of mine. And I was helping lead her to the Lord. And then a few months ago I called her up and said, Hey, you want to hang out? And she said this, I do not want to be friends with you anymore. I'm an adult now. Okay. So maybe what, she is lost right now, right? So she may be hurting and confused. Yeah. Can you else think of an example? Maybe sometimes that sometime that you have let a friend down. What's been your excuse? Jennifer, I don't have time for you. I'm too busy. Busy life. A busy life. Sharon, did you have time? I said I would do something and I totally forgot, which is, I felt horrible. I didn't, you know, but the next excuse. You forgot. Yeah. I'll, yeah. That happens to me a lot. I mean, I walk into my kitchen and I forgot why. <laughs> and I go back to the living room and my daughter says, you were going to get me cheese or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, when I was first married, I thought I would know my husband inside out, and he would ask me, well, did you do such and such? I said, oh my gosh, I forgot. And it wasn't because I didn't love him, it was because I didn't write it down. And I didn't write it down because I didn't want him to be offended that I had to write it down in the first place to remember it. But that was the best thing I could, because the next time I wrote it down, and he was all smiles. You wrote it down, you're going to do it, yes. So I think sometimes we have to remember not to forget, and the best way is to write it down. I'm there all the time. Someone gave me good advice. They said, leave your to-do list with number one blank. And I'm married, so he's, she said, leave that number one thing for your husband. That's good advice. I'm going to remember that. Because I am I'm also tired sometimes. I think I'm tired. I've only had five hours sleep in the past three nights. So there you go. So sometimes I'm not as good a friend as I want to be because I'm tired. Sometimes we were hurt about something we'll left out, just to hurt them. Yeah. I mean, sometimes they say you hurt the people most that you love the most. Mm-hmm. The people, people that are around the most, tend to get my frustrations. Do y'all know? Have y'all felt that? I'm seeing some nodding heads. <laughs> well, people hurt other people for many reasons because they are humans, and therefore they are sinners. Because they themselves are hurting. Maybe because they want to help you through constructive criticism. Anybody been hurt through constructive criticism? (laughs) When we fail our friends, we can think of a million excuses. But when our friends fail us, 
do we give them the same benefit of the doubt? Generally, we like to put the responsibility on the offender of the hurt rather than on ourselves, the offended. But we need to consider, do I really have the right to be hurt? Must I require everyone else to be perfect in their interaction with me? There's never an occasion for me to be perfect. I'm going to read to you from 1 Peter 2. For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if, when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Jesus is our example. When we are hurt by someone, we tell ourselves, if she really loved me, she wouldn't say that, would she? This thought is centered on self. We are thinking only of how the action affects ourselves. 1 Corinthians 13 is a pretty famous passage in the Bible on love. (coughs) We think about it often in terms of marital love because we hear it read at weddings, right? But it applies to friendships and any relationship. This passage describes love as not self-seeking, not easily angered. This passage says love keeps no record of wrong. When an offense is out there, we have a choice to pick it up or not. We can give our friend the same benefit of the doubt we would like her to give us. When an offense has been done against us, we can choose to keep no record of wrong. That is where grudges come in. Holding a grudge is being in a state of unforgiveness. I could sit together and walk through passages and parables of Jesus, all teaching us to forgive. But it must start with a heart of gratitude. Do you know what the Lord Jesus accomplished on the cross? Are you grateful Galatians 5.1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit to the yoke of slavery. Like other sins, your grudge that you are holding so tight like a security blanket, it is actually a yoke of slavery. How to be free from this yoke of slavery? There are two ways. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Look to Him in gratitude for what He has done in your life. Praise Him. Thank Him for forgiving you. And demonstrate your love for Him by forgiving others and letting go of those grudges. 
And number two, love your neighbor as yourself by choosing to let that offense lie and not picking it up. By giving your friend the benefit of the doubt, trusting in our sovereign Lord, cover an offense with love, follow the example of Jesus. I started out with hope, and I'm going to be sure to finish there. We have been focused on gossip, envy, and holding grudges. These particular friends, these particular sins that harm friendships. At the beginning, I read you a list of sins found in the Bible that was a list of warnings, ending with a warning of the Christians who had an appearance of godliness, but who were denying its power. Those Christians were going to church, maybe studying the Bible. They didn't have women's conferences in the time of the Bible. But that too, wouldn't that give an appearance of godliness? They had the appearance of godliness, but were denying its power. Let's not deny the power of God. Let's name our sin, confess it, and repent. I think this last quote is very helpful. There is a fundamental principle of the Christian life that the author calls the principle of dependent responsibility, which states that we are responsible before God to obey His Word by putting to death the sin in our lives. At the same time, we do not have the ability within ourselves to carry out this responsibility. We are, in fact, totally dependent upon the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. In this sense, we are both responsible and dependent. We are both responsible and dependent. If we sincerely want if we sincerely want to address these sins if we want to avoid these friendship killers we can be sure the Holy Spirit is at work in us to help us I quoted from Galatians 5 earlier for, for freedom Christ has set us free do not submit again to the yoke of slavery in that chapter, it says, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I hope you see that gossip and slander, being jealous and envious, taking offense and holding grudges, these friendship killers gratify the desires of the flesh. Galatians 5 is an interesting chapter. It seems at the time this letter was written, there was a confusion about what rules to follow. In the sixth verse it says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. And a few verses down it says, Through love... 
serve one another. Keep reading in Galatians 5 and you get to the fruit of the Spirit. You may be familiar with that passage. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Sometimes when I read that passage on the fruit of the Spirit, you know, sometimes it feels like another list of rules, a to-do list. Okay, now it's time to be patient. Check. Now I'm going to put on some self-control. Check. And I want to be sure, I don't want to communicate that you cannot and should not work to grow in this fruit. But I want you to remember the quote about dependent responsibility. (coughs) This list is fruit of the Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit will work in you. You will stop gossiping as the Spirit bears the fruit of kindness and self-control in you. You will cease being envious and jealous as the Spirit bears the fruit of patience and faithfulness in you. You will stop picking up those offenses and holding on to them as the Spirit bears the fruit of peace and joy and gentleness in you. As you seek to avoid these friendship killers, your to-do list <coughs> You just have two rules. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Well, I think that was a very powerful talk that's really helpful for each one of us to think about. It might be even good to go back and listen to it again in a couple of months. I think this is one of those talks we could listen to on a yearly basis because these are sins we easily fall into. I also love that Melissa asked us a lot of questions that makes us want to answer, like, are you gossiping? You know, like in your relationships, are you trying to get all that little information in is your heart in really loving all that gossip? Or maybe you are struggling with jealousy towards someone and you continually compare yourself. Are you comparing yourself to a friend? Or maybe right now, while you're listening to this ending of our podcast, you are struggling with holding a grudge against someone and you really don't want to forgive them and you just want to hold on to that. Well, I want to encourage you to think about these things. These are definitely sins that end up in friendships and relationships all the time, and we have to think about them. Then we have to go before the Lord and ask Him to help us overcome these sins. I love the verse Melissa kept bringing out through her whole talk. It said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. I think that's a really good thing for us to practice every day and to think about. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. And if we follow those two simple rules, I think our friendships and relationships will be improved. Hey, let me pray for us today. Dear Heavenly Father, it is with great joy I come before you and thank you for the talk Melissa gave back 2017. And yet here we are in a new year, a brand new spot, and we are listening to it again. And I thank you for the wisdom you gave her to share 
Lord, I pray that we would be women who want to fight our sin in regard to our friendships, that we would be fighting gossip, we would be fighting jealousy, we would fight grudge holding. Lord, help us be women who love others and mostly help us be women who love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress, because of God. Until next time.